Amazon QuickSight embeds powerful dashboards and visuals into your application to differentiate your product, help customers make data-driven decisions, and develop new revenue streams. Learn more about QuickSight at aws.bpc.digital slash QuickSight. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. I'm your host, Cassidy, and I am here, as I often am, with my wonderful co-host, Siora. Hey, Siora. Hi. Have you used Astro, the web development framework, before? I haven't, but I've heard of it, and I've been interested in trying it for a while now. Nice. I have used it for a while. I dabbled in it when it was pre-version one, and... All of those projects are very out of date now, but I I really love a lot of the concepts in it. And we have some of the Astro team here with us to talk about some cool new things coming to the framework. Ben and Nate, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Hello. Great to be here. So first of all, what do you guys do on the team? What are your roles? I am... A developer on the Astro project. I mostly focus on the open source side of things. I work on our compiler, which is actually written oh. in Go. So that that was a super fun project. In Go? Yeah. And I don't then, think I knew that. Me either. I wonder what motivated you guys to build that in Go. Seemed like fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's a valid read. That's a complete yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I we're we're really excited about WebAssembly. So yeah. um, <laughs> that was something we wanted to experiment with. So cool. that was a very fun project. Cool. What about you, Ben? Uh, I float between a bunch of different titles. I go by core maintainer, I suppose, full-time open source person. Same as Nate. We're both uh, working together on the core Astro platform. And my focus has mostly been all things content. So getting our MDX integration ready to go, making it super easy to use any component framework you want in MDX with Astro. It's really great. And now working on type safe markdown and new features coming into 2.0 with content collections. So oh, yeah, heck. leading the charge on that. Yeah. So I know what Astro is. Could you give a high level to anybody out there who doesn't? What is Astro and what are these new features coming down the pipeline? Yeah. I tried ironing down like the, the smallest pitch, but like it's a site builder <laughs> that's focused on building content rich websites, letting you bring the tools that you already love React, Vue, Svelte, any component framework you want, and putting them together to build really performant web pages. So think marketing, think blogs, think news sites, even think e-commerce. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's it's been really fun to work with. What I particularly like about Astro is it lets me use any libraries that I want. And so I can use Astro with React or with Vue or with Svelte or Preact or Solid, all of these different things, and it just works it feels like very old school web development where it's like HTML, CSS, JavaScript plus stuff. So you get like the the benefits of the stuff, but you can also take advantage of the kind of old school comfortable parts that at least I'm comfortable with. I think that was super intentional. We have our own like component syntax, which is why we needed a compiler in the first place, but it feels very much like HTML. And then what's cool is because we have our own syntax, we can layer in like, script tags can use like TypeScript and you can just import NPM modules and things like that. So it does feel very much like, oh, I'm just writing with HTML, but you're actually getting like all of these modern developer experience that you're expecting from a lot of these tools. Cool. I want to hear more about how, what sets Astro apart from some of the other frameworks that do similar things. 
I've built with a couple of the like site builder, blog building, like frameworks that, or I should say frameworks that are popular for creating blogs. I've built with like a ton because I'm always like redoing my... Like I should rewrite my website, yeah, shouldn't exactly. I? <laughs> exactly. Like I'm actually thinking about redoing it again, <laughs> like coincidentally. But anyway, I've tried a bunch of them. <laughs> And some of them have given me a ton of headache and heartache. So I, I want to hear what makes Astro different or special compared to the others. Yeah, I heard Cassidy mention something there. And also, yeah, I'll let Nate chime in too. We got a bunch of opinions. But uh, like where you start with nothing and then add stuff is kind of like the big difference that I see versus other frameworks that I'm used to. I'm a big like Next.js person. I've used that forever since college. And that's definitely like start with stuff and then figure out what you can rip out later if you want to make it more performant or if that's what you're after. And you have to sort of like learn about SPAs, learn about React. All of that learning yeah. curve is very upfront. While with Astro, you start from, you can even start with .html files, which we had support for because it's like, yeah, just start learning web dev by adding an HTML file in here and we'll turn it into a route for you. And then you can graduate into Astro files to like pull in content from somewhere, making a fetch call and then put that on the page and then evolve into Markdown, evolve into adding components, et cetera. So it's a very opt-in journey so that you can build onto tools as you're working with it, which makes it a really nice sort of base when you're building things that are static and things that are content-heavy. It reminds me of a quote that Phil Hawksworth said, who's over at Netlify, and I'm going to butcher it, but it was basically just like, <laughs> with my website, I didn't do anything to make it fast. I just didn't add anything to slow it down. It feels like that's very much a philosophy of Astro, where it's, it starts from nothing and starts from the basics, and then it can be flexible and complex with everything. And that lack of learning curve to just get something to show up is is really nice. One of the other big things is we knew that Astro was not going to go anywhere if we were like, oh, you're going to use our front-end components as well. And like people have a lot of opinions about that. So... We focus on the server and generating your pages. And then for the client side, like if you want to use React or Preact or Solid or Svelte, View, whatever you want, you can do that. So those are all just kind of a drop-in integration and they're super easy to use. And then we also have some techniques for like making that a bit more performant. Like you're only loading the components that you actually are using on the page instead of your whole page is a single app. Yeah, I think that that's a, another huge thing where it's tiny and fast. I've <laughs> converted some sites from like Next to Astro and other various frameworks out there because there's so many in the world now. And seeing that package size gets so much smaller suddenly is so satisfying and, <laughs> and just shipping to the browser so much faster. I'm like thinking about Ciora when yeah. she was first getting into the tech industry and I was like... I'm going to make my own blog. I'm sick of hosting my content on other people's platforms, whatever, whatever. And that didn't go well. <laughs> because at the time, obviously I was very new to like coding. I was breaking with JavaScript. I hadn't even learned React yet. And a lot of the frameworks that were popular at the time require you to have some sort of React knowledge. Even if they say they don't, they really do. Especially if you want to like, yeah. yeah, especially if you want to customize it and, do all the things that developers like to do with their blog. So I had a really, really hard time. Like it was like pulling teeth, getting my blog up for the first time. So hearing that this is like 
bare bones. You can just like get started without having any knowledge of any kind of like React or any of those libraries is like very exciting for me because I'm always thinking about past me when I was first, first getting started and all the things that were super hard for me at the time. So I'm very interested in trying out Astro because I love making things like quickly and as painlessly as possible. And that's what it sounds like Astro has to offer. Yeah, I think that like somebody that's new to web development, that perspective is something we're always keeping in mind. And even our docs are written, like our docs team is incredible, but we get compliments all the time. I'm like, wow, these docs are actually fun to read. And they're not like talking (laughs) down to me and telling me like, oh yeah, you already know how to do this. It's like very much like, yeah, we're going to meet you where you're at and and we're going to go from there. So I really love that. Yeah, me too. So with Astro V2 coming out, you gave like a high level of what those things are, but for the average layperson who doesn't know Astro as well, why is this exciting? What are what are these important features that are coming to V2? Yeah. And it's pretty cool because we're already hitting 2.0 and some people are like, I just migrated to the 1.0 version. <laughs> I'm shocked. So I can safely say like things that we're adding are very much like adding features, but keeping the core of Astro as it was before, because 1.0 was already like felt pretty stable. People liked the baseline that we set. And 2.0, like the big thing that I can speak to because it was the RFC that we put out a couple months ago, it's content collections, which is a way to manage your markdown in MDX. So if you already have, like you're building on a blog, you have a number of posts, maybe 50, maybe 200 posts, and they all have a very similar structure. Like they all have a title, a description and a published date. And I want to make sure every time I make a new blog post, it's got all that stuff. It's well formatted. And when I actually import it to put on the page, it's going to have all those properties for me. My editor can like autocomplete for me mm. and say like front matter dot publish date. And then it says, do you want the you know date string, internationalize it, all of that stuff. So you don't have to think about it. You're not working with type any and getting weird undefined errors when you try to go deploy it. So that's really what we've been building in is like a way to type check all of that front matter and a way to import it in a really easy way. So your editor kind of just writes the code for you. I love it when things write code for me. So I am already sold on that. (laughs) Yeah. And there is another feature around server rendering that I will let Nate talk about, but it's a pre-rendering. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on, which is in the initial version of Astro, we leaned into like static site generation. So everything's rendered at build time, which is great. And that fits like most use cases. But then you're running into like, oh, I have to deploy this nightly to get up-to-date data, stuff like that. So in Astro 1.0, we added server-side rendering, which was super exciting. I don't know that a ton of people are using it. There's definitely folks that are using it, but it was kind of a hard toggle. Like, you're either doing static rendering or you're doing server rendering. So that's the big thing we're changing in version 2. So you can now mix them in the same project. You can have server-rendered routes. You can have statically-rendered routes. And the API is like really simple. You just add one line to your page and then it's rendered at build time. So I'm super excited about that. It's going to unlock a ton of possibilities and it's going to be really exciting. I think a ton of people have been waiting for this one. So excited to ship it. That's a really cool one. And so with the routes that are, this starts getting a little deeper in the weeds, with the routes that are server rendered versus static rendered, is this something where 
you would need to have a server running for those routes and then you can put like the rest on a CDN or, or is it like using serverless functions? How does that work? Yeah, so we have a we have an adapter system because we don't want to lock people into any particular host. So you kind of add an adapter and then you can deploy to serverless functions or edge functions or, you know, whatever host you want. And then with the pre-rendered routes, we're just going to emit like static HTML files. So those will be cached on the CDN. It never even hits your server. So once it once it does get to your server, those are the serverless routes or something like that. Neat. And one more, like more deeper level question. Is this kind of similar to like that deferred static generation or incremental static regeneration, those kinds of things, or is it purposely different? It's a little different. I think this is, this is close to what a lot of frameworks have right now, which is like per route, you can kind of choose how it's built. There's still like incremental static regeneration is like the Holy grail. Like everybody's chasing that and it's a really hard thing to do. That's probably what we're looking at next. So caching is hard. <laughs> yeah, because we do at least have the adapter system. I know people have played with like Netlify on-demand builders mm-hmm. because we do have like the Netlify serverless adapter and an edge adapter if you want to go real crazy. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. I've played with it before. Yeah, but yeah, the nice thing is adapters are separate, so you can do it right without owning that host layer. It's really hard to like hook in because they don't all have the same API. That's a lot of extra stuff. And for for those who don't know what those terms are, I threw out such gross big (laughs) words. That concept of incremental static regeneration, deferred static generation, there's so many different terms for it. I don't even know all of them. Deferred static rendering. It's you have a mostly static site, and then when you hit a route that hasn't been statically generated, it renders it, and sometimes it's on like an edge function, sometimes it's with something serverless, sometimes it's calling the server. It creates that page and then adds it to the static site. And so it's never rendered again. Then later when someone goes to that page, it will just be a static page that's sent, not a server rendered page. And so it it is a little bit slow, and this is like milliseconds, but still, it's a little bit slow for the first users to that page, but then it's really fast for every other user to that page. And so it's a way of reducing build times for static websites. And it's very hard. (laughs) It sounds hard. Honestly, it does. I've been, while you guys were talking about all that stuff, I was on the Astro website looking at the showcase page of like all the different things people have built with Astro. And what I find really cool is that, which somebody mentioned earlier, but sometimes when we think of like these frameworks, we're like, oh yeah, like I'll just build my blog with it. But the really cool thing is that I see a lot of like product websites, e-commerce websites that are shown here. So there's like, obviously you can do a lot of really powerful things with Astro to the point where like, I'm sure they're like, there's NordVPN on here and Firebase on here. Like there's a lot of cool things you can do with this. And I feel like that speaks a lot to the developer experience that Astro provides, which I think is interesting. So if you're listening, you should go to astro.build slash showcase to look at some of the websites. <laughs> There's a lot of really cool stuff here that you'll probably enjoy looking at. Promise we're not getting paid to show Astro. <laughs> we just like it. <laughs> nice plug. And go to astro.build slash chat while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I built my own blog with Astro just as a little <gasps> testimonial there. Ew. And I originally had a Jekyll blog that was kind of a pain in general, but that's like what the option was when I first built it um, in like 2015. 
15 or something. <laughs> I feel so old. But I when I switched it over to Astro just in the past few months, it was so nice and simple where I was able to just take all of my markdown files and put it in a folder and it just worked. And I, mm. I had to write like a little JavaScript query to to say like, if this file exists, turn it into a route. But besides that, it was probably the fastest I've ever built a blog before, which was really, really nice to just do and not have to have a whole tedious, like make sure these routes work, make sure all of this front matter is legal, make sure all this, that, and the other is, is set up properly. Yeah. And I find that a lot of developers are looking for easy and like painless now. There's so many options for like everything now, whether it comes to like the front end side or the back end side or the server side of everything. Like all of that is you have so many options. And so that forces people to choose what gives them the best developer experience. So hearing you say that you built like a blog really quickly is like, super exciting for me because um, I'm one of those I call myself a lazy developer because I like everything to be fast and easy like I don't want to yeah. have to like fight to like build things you know so I find that really exciting I'm I always love hearing about like developer products or developer experiences that are really like painless that's like my whole that's my goal in life is just to have a completely I'm looking for the life. day exactly <laughs> when I can like build something without running into a bug once. That's like my mm. ultimate goal. That would be so nice. I don't know if I'll ever reach it, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think this is something that I actually really liked about Vue when I first tried Vue is mm -hmm. even if you do run into a bug, if the errors are good, you don't have to like go dig in the docs to try to figure out yeah. why did this work or, or ask a Stack Overflow question to be like, why why is this thing happening? If the errors are really good where you can say, oh, I just need to fix that and then can move on with your life. I remember I first had that experience with you and I was like, this is how it, a developer's experience <laughs> should be. And yeah. I felt that with Astro too, where when a page wasn't working, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. But the error was just clear enough where I was able to fix it without having to dive deep in forums and, and Discord chats and everything like that. That's actually a great other thing that we added in V2 uh -huh. as well. We spent a long time. Ooh, what a segue. <laughs> I know. We spent a long time looking at our error messages and finding ones that were not good and improving them. And we have this awesome system. Our teammate Erica designed. Each error has a unique code and a reference page on our doc site. Oh, nice. And we have like an error overlay that's super nicely designed now. So it's even better than the last time you tried Cassidy. Heck. Yeah. We found that it was more than just like telling you what went wrong. It's like, here's the message. Here's why. Here's a hint that takes you to the docs page because you shouldn't try to shoehorn everything into one big error message. Probably not. So <laughs> yeah, we actually have like a readme for how to write errors now, which is something I wasn't expecting. But it actually made me like second guess because I was working on with content collections, like you want to have good errors when your front matter is wrong. And I realized when I wrote it, like, oh, I left out so many details I could have clarified. And now I have a special hints tag so you can like call out the docs nicely. Mm. So I just sort of reshaped it from there. So if you're a contributor or a user, like we're definitely going the right direction. There. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I should say too, like when a developer is building, there's like a whole journey, right? So like you start out and you're like trying to figure out how to use this new thing. And then maybe you obviously inevitably run into some errors 
And like that doesn't necessarily mean that the developer path has like gone in the wrong direction. It just means it's going in the direction that it normally goes. But like how it's handled after that is what's important. And I really love that there are clearer error messages and especially that they lead you like directly to the docs that are like going to help you figure out what the problem is. Like that's that's incredible. I don't think I've ever heard that before, <laughs> but that's like the kind of thing that's going to make that developer journey like as seamless as possible. Really cool. I loved it. Yeah. I think with developer experience, the, you you want to optimize that time to hello world. Like how do you get someone just up and running right. and going right away? But then beyond that, it's how do you keep them building so they're not demotivated? They don't exactly. feel just dumb because that's <laughs> inevitable. <laughs> and, and keep them moving forward and, and continuing to build until they until they finally ship. Yeah, because code isn't just like stream of consciousness, I ship this in a week. It's like, I built my blog, I come back a year later, I remember nothing. So when <laughs> yeah. I want to go through it, it's I want real. it to tell me what's actually happening. <laughs> and guide me to docs if things changed, because it's really easy for stuff to go stale and you just don't even realize it. Yeah, oh, that's way too real to say that you come back to your <laughs> blog a year later. But I, I'm rebuilding my personal site on that. <laughs> I'm going through that right now. Yeah, gosh. We've all been there. I mean, in addition to tons of bug fixes and the error stuff, uh, we've also been working on our compiler. Our compiler is going to hit 1.0, which is super exciting. That's been a whole project that we don't have time to get into, but that's been super exciting. And yeah, we're just just stability and continuous bug fixes. So I do like stability in this crazy world of ours. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for coming to the show. As we often do at the end of an episode, we like to shout out a lifeboat badge. A lifeboat badge is when you have an answer score of 20 or more to a question score of negative three or less that goes on to receive a score of three or more. This badge can be rewarded multiple times and you're saving some knowledge from the dustbin of history. And we are congratulating Arand for answering the question, how to convert list to queue to achieve FIFO. So first in, first out. So congratulations, Arand. That being said, I've been Cassidy. You can find me at Cassidy on most things, and I'm CTO of Contenda. And my name is Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Austero by Okta. You can find me on Twitter. My username there is Ciorio, that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. I'm Ben. You can find me as BeHolmesDev pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Discord, etc. And uh, you can also find little educational content I do on WTW.dev. I do little whiteboard tutorials like this one here. And otherwise, you'll find me around the Astro Discord. And I'm Nate, developer at Astro. And you can find me on Twitter and underscore more. And my usernames are different everywhere, which is not helpful at all. But find me on Twitter. <laughs> Just Google them. <laughs> well, thank you again, everybody, for listening. If you have any pitches, comments, suggestions, hurt feelings, you can email podcast at Stack Overflow and be sure to leave us a rating and review. It really helps. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.